So Alabama has two new coordinators. What players on the current team benefit the most from these two new guys? Locked on Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Oh, I'm uh, fantastic. Uh, boy, that Alabama-Auburn basketball game Saturday is going to be a thing. It's going to be a, a, a mild thing, and we will certainly talk about that. I want to thank you for making us your first listen. appreciate you guys. You know, I asked everybody if they would jump on board with subscriptions, get us over 4,000. Now we're almost 4,100 subscriptions on YouTube. That's just in a couple of days. Man, you guys are the best. Appreciate you so much. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and uh, we're going to talk about FanDuel in a little bit. But, Jimmy, right now, you know, I started thinking about these two new coordinators, and every time you have a new coordinator or a new coach or, or anything like that, there's always some players that benefit more than others. You know, and there's always a coach that comes in, and he might uh, be more run-oriented or he might uh, be more uh, blitz-oriented or he prefers a quarterback who's taller rather than one who's shorter, or he prefers a quarterback who's mobile versus uh, uh, pro style. And so I was thinking about these two guys, and, man, how much better would it have been for Jameer Gibbs to have Tommy Rees last year? I think it would have been or, – or Jace McClellan, for that matter. I think both those guys would have benefited greatly. I mean, Alabama didn't have a 1,000-yard receiver or a 1,000-yard rusher last year, and that's – kind of ridiculous, but I think now the running back room bringing in two of the top three running backs in this particular class, along with the Jace McClellan, Roy Dale Williams, um, uh, Jamarian Miller, we've, we've already got a, a stable of backs. I think the running backs may be the big, biggest beneficiary when it comes to Tommy, Tommy Reese. Yeah. I like, a, uh, I, I like that take. Um, and, and I'd go one step further. I'd say particularly for Jamarian Miller, if Alabama, makes a concerted effort to, to be more physical on offense. Let's run the ball. Let's be phys- make our five or six yards whenever we want by handing it to the back. I think the back that that really benefits is Miller in, in the sense that Jace is a, a good back. He's one of the best players on the team. Uh, he's really good catching the ball in the backfield. He's versatile. He is tough. He's just not the biggest guy in the world. I, I think by going with Tommy Reese, you're probably – going to want a power back. And to me, that answer is Miller. Uh, I know that excites a lot of Alabama fans. We, we, we only saw Jamarian Miller in brief glimpses as a true freshman this past season. But when we saw him, man, he, he looks like one of the typical great Saban big, bigger backs. Um, so I, I think Miller is, is definitely uh, a guy. I also think of C.J. Dupree the tight end transfer from Maryland. Uh, if you're going to be physical, it starts with uh, having a bigger, getting that extra lineman type guy on the field and and uh, lining up a tight end next to an offensive tackle who's basically another tackle, and and that's Dupree, uh, who's who's arriving at a good time for that, um, along with Miles Kitzelman, who's probably the second best big blocking tight end, probably more snaps for him. And uh, this is even crazier speculation, but I'll even say it's probably good news for Jalen Milrow 
I think that Alabama brought in an offensive coordinator who wants to like a Jeff Lebby uh, or like a Garrett Riley to go in extreme direction who wants to throw it, throw it, throw it. That's, that's probably Ty Simpson, but now you're bringing in an offensive coordinator who wants to run the ball and, and Jalen Milrow, you know, could be well suited to be the back to build a better run game around. And it's simple X's and O's we saw in the Arkansas game specifically what I'm talking about. And that is the ball really effectively when you have a run first quarterback, because the other team has to assign a spy to him. So if the other team has an inside linebacker whose job it is to spy Jalen Milrow, now you've taken a crucial run stopper out of, of guarding the running back. He's watching the, the quarterback. He's, he's trailing the quarterback. Now a crucial run stopper is not uh, tracking a running back. And the end result was two 80-yard touchdown runs by Jameer Gibbs uh, in that Arkansas game. And that's just a glaring example of what happens when you have a running back, when you have a quarterback in the game that has to be spied. It's sort of a, uh, uh, becomes a feast for, for the running back. So I think all of those players specifically benefit from Tommy Reese, but I also don't want to make it sound like the wide receivers and the passing game gets ignored. Uh, that wasn't the case at Notre Dame. Uh, they did have a passing quarterback uh, last year uh, after Buckner was hurt and Drew Pine came in. He's a thrower, and uh, they were actually quite efficient with Drew Pine. I think uh, the last seven games that Pine was a quarterback, they scored a minimum of 33 every game and. In Notre Dame, you know they 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 play some tough teams. USC, Stamp. I mean, you know that you their, their schedule. They play a lot of good ACC teams. ACC pretty good last year. Clemson, uh, USC. Uh, you know it's it's not an easy schedule that Notre Dame plays. So uh, really, the whole offense will benefit in ways. <laughs> but in particular, anything built around the power ground game is going to be uh, really highlighted under Tommy Reese. Yeah, I think that's a good call on C.J. Dupree as well um, in terms of, you know, would somebody benefiting in this offense. I mean, he he seems like custom made for uh, a, a Tommy Reese type of offense to me. I mean, he, he's – I've been watching a little bit more about him. I, I think he can be a very big weapon for Alabama this upcoming year. Um Maybe one of the younger tight ends, too, maybe a Ty Lockwood or something like that will really burst onto the scene. I mean, I mean, you know how Alabama fans are. We're always yearning for a tight end to bust through. Uh, we're all still uh, wax, waxing poetic about O.J. Howard's uh, highlights. And, frankly, he had two good Clemson games and one big run in an LSU game. And other than that, I don't remember a lot of O.J. Howard stuff. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Yeah, no, no. And, and, and uh, you know, the tight end. Uh, and I think, you know, one thing we have to keep in mind is a lot of the Tommy Reese Notre Dame tight end talk is because his tight end at Notre Dame was Michael Mayer. That guy is a freak. They called him baby Gronk. He was a I mean, I mean, other than Brock Bowers, he's the second most famous tight end in college football. You know, Michael Mayer. So it could be that Tommy Reese uh, highlights the tight end because he had Michael Mayer for his last four years at Notre Dame. And, of course, he threw in the ball, taking a page out of Lane Kiffin's offensive coordinator playbook. You identify your best player and you build the whole offense around that. Uh, so it could be some some over talk 
by us uh, just based on the fact that they threw the ball to Michael Mayer so much. But, uh, heck, you got one of those. I would hope so. Jimmy, need to take a moment now and talk a little bit about uh, FanDuel. Love FanDuel. Uh, appreciate their being a sponsor. Really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're number one sports book in America, and that is FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many ways and so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. So that's like the new micro betting thing that a lot of people are into. I mean, that's the new deal uh, is figuring out like almost a play-by-play betting action. The FanDuel Sports app is safe, is secure, and is super easy to use. That's always key. Best of all, you can get paid for your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet. No sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Also wanted to tell everybody to check out Locked On College Basketball. These guys do an amazing job. College basketball is coming down to the wire. You want to find out as much as you can about it because Alabama's right in the thick of everything, as you know, because you listen to this podcast. Locked On College Basketball, ton of fun, a part of the Locked On family. Go check them out. You will really be glad that you did. Okay, Jimmy, so uh, we've talked about the offense beneficiaries. What about the defense beneficiaries? I think the one thing, the one group of guys that will be benefit the most are the linebackers. Kevin Steele uh, seems to be a linebacker-oriented guy, and um, I think that we need more attack versus react kind of linebackers. I mean, I know that when you attack versus react – you can uh, you can you can be susceptible to being burned occasionally. I'm fine with being burned occasionally if we have somebody like a Reuben Foster who goes in there and just knocks the uh, bejesus out of somebody, so that they're like, I don't know that I want to um, meet that guy anymore. You know <laughs> what I mean? And I um, I think we got the dudes. I mean, when I watch a Quay Russo, when I when I look at a Kendrick Blackshire, when I think about a Deontay Lawson. We got the dudes that if we just say, you know, go go make something happen, go hit somebody. I think that that can affect the game from a mental standpoint. Um, and I think that's always an underrated uh, portion of the contest. That if you – it's like having a guy in basketball who's a bit of an enforcer, a Bill Lambeer. Now – those have been taken out of the game to some extent, but Bill Lambeer back in the day made it where, okay, if you want to come in here and try and get a layup. That's fine. I might put you in the hospital and it's just going to be a common foul at, the, at that point. But what it did was it made it so that every trip into the lane felt like, okay, am I going to get hit? Or they were like, I wish he would hit me and they don't concentrate on the shot. I think it's the same thing with linebackers. If you can go in there and get your shots in legal shots go in there and hit some people pretty hard, I think that they'll be very hesitant to, uh, you know, to want to take you on anymore. And I feel like we got away from that just a little bit. I mean, we we were more of a finesse defense, in my opinion. Just, again, I, I'm not trying to back that up with stats. I'm just, the way that I watched us play, it wasn't like we had these massive hits all the time. I mean, you know, we had Will Anderson, who had more pressures on a quarterback than anybody in NCAA history. But – you know, when he made a sack, it was like he corralled a guy and put him to the ground. I mean, it was rarely a Cornelius Bennett on uh, Steve Berline type thing. 
Yeah, it's probably a product of uh, of having an offense that sort of looks like it's seven-on-seven seven football, flag football. I mean, I think if you practice against that type of offense every single day, uh, it doesn't really toughen you up. Uh, I agree 100% that the biggest beneficiary of the Kevin Steele hire on our defense are the linebackers and the inside linebackers in particular. I think that's the position he's most likely going to end up coaching is the inside linebackers. And, you know, I, I sort of, you know, defended Pete Golding a lot. But one thing that I, I won't defend Golding on, just my uh, – I'm not sure he was a, a high-quality inside linebacker coach. And, look, that comes from the fact that when Pete Golding played football, uh, you know, a long time ago, uh, Pete was a safety. And then when he started coaching, he was a safeties coach. He continued to coach safeties all the way through DBs and safeties, all the way through his college career – uh, even up to UT San Antonio when he was a co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach. He gets hired by Alabama. First year at Alabama, he's a safeties coach. Second year, he gets promoted to defensive coordinator. They move him to inside linebacker. He had never coached the position before. His first experience coaching linebackers happened at Alabama. So it's not really on Pete. It's just sort of how things worked out. Coach Saban likes his defensive coordinator to be the inside linebacker coach. Why? Because your inside linebackers are making the calls. They're the extension of the coach on the field. So Coach Saban likes that defensive coordinator to be the inside linebacker coach. And Jeremy Pruitt used to be a defensive back coach, became inside linebackers. Kirby Smart used to be a defensive back coach, became inside linebackers. But one thing about Kevin Steele, he's always been a linebacker coach. It's perfect for him. So I think the inside linebackers are going to be coached better than ever before at Alabama. So, uh, you know, to pick out a couple names, Deontay Lawson, uh, Trez Marshall, the Georgia transfer, Justin Jefferson, the Juco transfer, uh, maybe Jod Campbell and Sean Murphy returning young players at inside linebacker for Alabama. I think they'll all greatly benefit from Kevin Steele's arrival. I think the inside linebacker position is going to be coached as good as it has been at Alabama in a long time. Uh, they'll be expected to be the leaders on the field. And uh, with Deontay Lawson being our returning veteran, returning star. I think Deontay, now healthy, hopefully, is about to burst on the scene nationally, become the next big thing, the next big Alabama linebacker. So I think Deontay Lawson in particular benefits. And uh, should he stay healthy this fall, Luke, I think uh, Deontay is going to go from uh, being a guy that Alabama fans know about to being a guy everybody knows about. Uh, Lawson's got a heck of a future. Yeah, I, you know I love Deontay Lawson. I caught him in a state championship game a few years ago, and I just thought he was absolutely dominant and so versatile. Um, and he certainly got better last year. Justin Jefferson, man, I sort of forgot about him, and I shouldn't have because I think that is that's a dude that I think can really benefit next year under Kevin Steele. I really do. Um, and again, I'm, I'm glad you know I've noticed on Twitter a lot of former players. Uh, I think HaHa ha Clinton Dix, I think Marquise Mays, um, both those guys came out in staunch support of having Kevin Steele back. Um, they were talking about how he coached them really hard, but it made them better. Um, I think that's kind of what we need. Um, and, you know, you get away from that in today's generation because everybody's trying to get on the same level with everybody and understand what they've been through. And frankly, Sometimes it's just better for somebody to get in your grill and tell you to do your job. Uh, ironically, that's exactly what Tommy Reese did uh, to his quarterback. 
not too terribly long ago in a pretty famous, uh, I don't know if it was a TikTok or what the hell it was, but it was a something. Um, all right, Jimmy, let's go ahead and take another break. When we come back, I want to talk about uh, some bracketology and some other basketball stuff. And we're back. Uh, basketball. Tonight is interesting. Um, Tuesday night, you got Auburn taking on Texas A&M. Uh, you got Arkansas at Kentucky. You know, um, I should be for Arkansas tonight to help Alabama strength the schedule because we've already won on the road at Arkansas and we got them coming up. So we play them twice versus only playing Kentucky once. I can't pull for Eric Musselman. I don't like it. He's just unlikable. So I'm not going to do that. And I, it's not like we need the strength of schedule to be nuts this year. I mean, we're we're probably going to be a one or a two seed just about no matter what. So I'm pretty cool with it. Um, I'm definitely pulling for Texas A&M tonight. Um, even though should Texas A&M win, you got to look. You could make the argument that if A&M wins and Auburn's going to be so desperate Saturday and blah, 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 you could also make the argument that if Auburn wins, they're going to be riding a hot streak coming into Saturday. So it doesn't really matter. I think uh, Neville Arena is going to be popping on Saturday against Alabama regardless. So in, you know, in a pinch, always root against Auburn. That's my motto. You know, I, I, this would be controversial, and we need some uh, some controversy. Everybody listening to the show uh, loves when we uh, have a take that's maybe a little different. I, I'm with you about the anti-Arkansas thing. Uh, I, I would even say that under the current situation, I'm sort of more anti-Arkansas than anti-Auburn. I think it's easy. Uh, it's easy to dislike Eric Musselman. I think he's the easiest coach in the whole league to go – you know, I don't care for that guy. Now, at Arkansas, they love him. Of course they do. But he is sort of polarizing, uh, mouthy. Uh, he is very demonstrative. Uh, I, I, you know, and, and Bruce Pearl, he, he is those things as well. Bruce Pearl's also, in, in his way, likable. That's why he recruits so well. That's uh, why he does a lot of interviews on national shows, because he always says and does interesting things. Uh, I, I'm not saying I'm a Bruce Pearl fan by any means, but I'm, I am saying it's easier for me to dislike Eric Musselman than Bruce Pearl. And then you look at the way Arkansas plays and Arkansas has got dudes. As a matter of fact, in the last mock draft, I saw two Arkansas players were in the top 10. Now one up for the season and isn't playing. And that's why Arkansas struggle a little bit because they have a top 10 talent. That's not even uh, on the court because of injury, but you know, they got Ricky Council. They got the uh, – what's his name? The uh, Black – black the uh, backcourt guy. Uh, they're, they're, they're fantastic, uh, you know, in terms of their athletes. They play 60 minutes. They play um, – 40 minutes. They play hard. Uh, but, yeah, I'm a little more anti-Arkansas than Auburn. But Auburn is the better team this season, uh, mostly due to Arkansas's injury situation. Yeah, I agree. And, and uh, you know, look, again, we play – Auburn twice too, so it, it kind of behoove us if if Auburn won um, in terms of strength of schedule. But I just don't think that's as important for us this year. Um, certainly, uh, it, I want to have all the good metrics we can have. But as I said, it's very rare that you're going to find me rooting for Auburn. I don't usually mind Arkansas, but Eric Musselman has become just unlikable. Um, I'm looking at bracketology right now on CBS. It hadn't come out on ESPN as of this morning. It will. They usually come out on Tuesdays and Fridays for ESPN. Um, and this particular bracketology has us as one seed in the Midwest starting out in 
Birmingham, obviously. Now, here's what I don't get, and here's what I really hate about some of these bracketologies. They have Alabama playing the winner of Pittsburgh-Memphis. Okay, everything I've known and learned about the NCAA tournament, and this isn't a hard and fast rule, but I think it's pretty close. They're not going to have Alabama and Memphis meet up in the second round because they played in the in the regular season. I don't think that's even going to be an opportunity. I, I really don't. I, I feel like – you know, why would you put Memphis there as a bracketologist when what you could do is you could put NC or Nevada there as a, the, a nine seed from the South, put them there against Pittsburgh and put Memphis against NC State. And that way uh, you don't have a rematch in the second round. I, I I think that's what would happen. I don't think it would they would set it up where you could have a rematch from a regular season in the second round if it can be avoided. So – um, I feel like that would be interesting. But this bracket in the Midwest, again, uh, and here's another thing. They have UConn as a five seed here. I don't think that would happen. Um, so uh, uh, they have UConn as a five seed, Baylor as a four, Missouri a six, uh, and Kansas State would be the two seed out, out of this uh, run. And unfortunately, we would have to face, if we were be, to be so lucky, we would face Purdue in the final four who I think is incredible, and I think that seven-foot-four dude would give us all kind of fits. Um, I don't know what we do to stop him, and hopefully they get beat before we get to him. (laughs) It's a good reminder, Luke, that regardless of anybody's bracket and and things that may end up not proving to be true and things that are wrong, it's a good reminder of how incredibly tough it is to advance in the NCAA tournament because if you're a one seed, you play a 16, and you know that that's as easy as an NCAA game ever gets – but then in the second round, if you're if you're like, I think we all sort of hope that this Alabama team is, quote, easily a sweet 16 team. And then the reminder is, oh, yeah, you got to beat somebody like Memphis just yeah. to get there. And we and struggled with it home. It, it, yeah, we struggled. We, we ironically have played Memphis. And it was a struggle to beat them because guess what? They're good. Once you get to the top 32 teams, that's what happens in the second round. You're playing the top 32 teams. Uh, everybody's good. Everybody's good. They can beat you. Um, no doubt they can beat you. So, hey, regardless of the draw, once you get to round two, it's a bear. It is a bear. And 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 regardless of whatever team you pick, Pittsburgh, whoever you pick, Pittsburgh's good. Uh, it's it's gonna be tough starting round two. Round one, that's a game we should win for a one seed, for a two seed, for a three seed. Round one. We'll be big favorites. We should win. Round two, we'll still be favored. But it's not going to be easy. All right, buddy. That's going to do it for this episode. Appreciate you guys so much for uh, joining us. And we will be back tomorrow with another Locked on Bama. And until then, roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.